Chapter 7 of The Submarine Boys on Duty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Submarine Boys on Duty by Victor G. Durham. When Thieves Fall Out. By the great sledgehammer, here's a whole bale of money, gasped Dan Jaggers, after having emptied Hal's shoes. Wholly unmindful of the one he had just robbed, Jager sat down on the ground, passing the banknotes between his fingers. I found a small haymow of money, where I looked too, observed Josh Owen, with intense satisfaction, though his manner was calmer. How much did you get? demanded Dan, instantly prepared to be suspicious that his rascally uncle had happened upon the lion's share. Josh Owens thrust his findings deep down into a trouser pocket before he replied, No one will see our light way in here. Wait till I light the dark lantern. Then we can count up. But don't you try to hide any on me, Dan. So keenly did the older man watch the younger one that the former burned his fingers twice in attempting to light the lantern. Yet at last the lantern was lighted, the wick turned up not too bright, and then the older man invited, Sit down in front of me, Dan, sociable-like, so I can keep track of your hands. Do you think I'm the only one who bear watching, demanded Jaggers, hoarsely. I ain't taking my eyes off that pocket of yourn. Now, pull out that money and be sure you get it all out. Turn the pocket inside out. That's right. Now count your money and I'll watch. Then I'll count mine. And you can watch if you want to. Mutual confidence being thus established between the rogues, the counting proceeded. Josh found that he had just four hundred dollars in his findings. Dan Jager's count proved that the young bully possessed an exactly equal sum. There ain't no need of dividing, declared Dan, thrusting his money into a trouser pocket and fumbling for a pin with which to close the top of the pocket. Now, I'll go back to the road, find the horse, and drive him most of the way into town. Then I'll turn the horse loose to do his home-finding, and I'll keep on until I can buy something in bottles. But you ain't going to take all the money with you in the town, protested Josh Owen. Why not? It's mine, declared Jaggers, with singular ideas of ownership. But I know you, Dan Jaggers. If you get into Dunhaven with all that money, you won't be able to keep from showing it. Then if these boys ever get loose and do their talking, folks will remember that you showed such a lot of cash on this night, and the law have you caught in your own steel trap. It'll help to put me in trouble, too. No, no, Danny, you can take five dollars, but you have to leave the rest of the money with me. And then I find you here when I come back, wouldn't I? sneered Jaggers. Yes, replied Josh Owen, stoutly, and doubtless meant it, for he was really fond of this rough, shaggy, young bully of a nephew of his. Don't you see, Danny, it'd be foolish of me to light out with all the money. Then you'd turn against me and help the constable to catch me. Looky here, Danny, you trust me and you won't come far out. Now take five dollars and leave the rest with me. No, I won't, retorted the youth defiantly. Yes, you will, suddenly shot from between the lips of Josh Owens. He accompanied the words with a spring, bearing his nephew down to the ground and holding him there. I'm stronger than you, Danny, and you know it, growled the ex-foreman hoarsely. Now, will you hand up that money 
or will you make me take it from you? With a reluctant grace, while still pinned down to the ground, Dan Jagers surrendered his half of the stolen money. Now you can get up and go do what's laid out to be done, announced Josh Owen, peeling a five-dollar bill from the roll and handing it to his nephew. First, get the horse headed right, then go on into town and get the liquor. But don't you stop the drink in Dunhaven, Danny. If you do, you'll be sure to get into a fight, and you might do some talking, too. Hustle in and hustle back, and you'll find you can trust me to hold on to tonight's pickin' safe for you. Don't you worry a mite on the way to town or back, Danny boy. If a scowl could have killed, Dan would have triumphed, even now, at the expense of his uncle's life. But Josh paid no heed to the black looks. He thought he knew this nephew of his. Hurry along, Danny, he coaxed. My throat is getting mighty dry for a bit of liquor. Give me another five spot, begged Jaggers. Not another dollar till you come back, Danny, rejoined his uncle, firmly. The quicker you start and return, the quicker you'll have your share of the night's business. Now get. Using ugly language under his breath, Dan Jaggers turned and shuffled off through the woods, well knowing that he would suffer from his uncle's heavy hands if he did not. Josh now extinguished the light by shutting off the slide of his dark lantern. Then, after taking a look at the boys, he seated himself near them, filling his pipe once more while he muttered, Subsequent happenings clean drove them shoes out of Danny's mind, and I don't wonder. Having gotten his pipe comfortably lighted, Josh could not resist the temptation to open the slide of his lantern ever so little in order that he might have another look at the money. "'Wonder how you came to have it,' he muttered, looking at the boys, who, being gagged as well as bound, could not have answered anyway. "'I guess likely Farnham must have been fool enough to let you do some collecting for him,' grinned Josh. "'In that case, Yonkers, Danny and me are making it pretty hard for you all round, ain't we?' That thought appeared to bring Owen around into a state of good humor. He looked at the chuckling, and two or three times broke out into a hearty guffaw. Jack Benson's mental torment grew as the time passed. Hal Hastings was in no more enviable frame of mind. And we brought this upon us by being sympathetic. We wanted to help that infernal little boy out and carry relief to his injured mother, thought Jack, squirming. Confound it. I feel just now as though I would never caught trying to do another kind act. All this fearful luck, just because we had to have more sympathy than brains. What fools we are. Later came this terrifying thought. Mr. Farnham won't believe us, of course. The story will sound altogether too absurd. What will he do? Have us sent to jail as common thieves? Ain't very comfortable in your mind, are you, Yonker? leered Josh Owen, hearing the muffled groan that escaped the boy. Though Josh Owen smoked many pipefuls, time soon began to drag on that worthy's hands. Hours slipped by. I had no business to let Danny go, growled Owen, uneasily, time after time, often rising and pacing about, though never straying away from the two boys. That young fellow thinks a heap too much of liquor for one so young. He's spending time as well as money over in Dunhaven. It won't be so bad if he don't take too much and get talkative. Two or three times Josh thought he heard someone moving in the woods. 
Each time he called softly or signaled, but there came no response. Despite his inward suffering, Jack Benson dozed at last. So, as he afterwards learned, did Hal. Yet these drowsings must have been short. They were filled with horrible dreams of disgrace, imprisonment, and all the misfortunes that healthy young minds in torment could bring up. At last Jack awoke with a start to realize that it was daylight. Josh Owens was on his feet, his taste for tobacco gone. He was listening, peering between the trees, and making many impatient remarks under his breath. "'Hello, Uncle. Getting weary, carrying around my share of the money?' chuckled the voice of Dan Jagers. Then the shaggy young bully stepped out from behind a tree. "'You've been long enough,' growled his relieved uncle. "'But I'm glad to see you in good enough shape.' "'Oh, I'm all right,' admitted Jagers, serenely as he came forward. "'I've been back here for hours.' "'What are you telling me?' demanded Josh Owen. "'The facts. You see, Uncle Josh, I wanted to know whether you'd forget you had my money and stray off. So I've been watching round, without making no noise for hours.' Josh Owens had no means of knowing whether this statement was the truth or not, but he growled. "'Then you must know for sure now, lad, that I'm square with my own nephew. What'd you bring back with you?' "'Something to eat. And something to drink, hey? I guess we'll eat first. Dan retraced his way through the woods a few paces, returning with packages. "'You yonkers can see a seat if you want to,' said Josh Owen, with a malicious leer as he spread a piece of paper on the ground and began to lay out the meal. When are you two going to eat? I don't know. Maybe not for a few days yet. You see, it ain't so easy to make an enemy of a man by sneaky tricks and then get on his right side again. This picnic breakfast lasted a long time, it seemed to watchful Jack Benson. But at last it was over. Josh brought out his ill-smelling pipe once more setting himself with his back against a tree trunk to enjoy himself. "'Bring anything to drink, Danny boy?' inquired Owen, after a few minutes. "'Here's some beer,' proposed Jaggers, passing over the bottle. Josh opened it, took a long drink, then sat with the bottle poised on one of his knees. "'I don't believe you'd better have any of this, Danny lad,' declared Owen, with a grin. "'Don't want any,' responded Jaggers, in a rather sulky voice. Dan got up and strolled about, his hands in his pockets, whistling softly but cheerily. Josh Owens finished his unwise beverage and tossed the bottle a few feet away. Presently, the man's eyes closed, but he opened them as though with an effort. "'So here, Danny,' he demanded, thickly, drowsily, "'what you put in that stuff?' Dan Jagers did not reply, but turned to watch his uncle, a look of the lowest cunning in the young bully's eyes. For a brief space of time, Owen fought against his drowsiness. Then he lurched, falling over to one side, unconscious, drugged. In a twinkling then, Dan Jagers knelt beside his uncle, rifling the other man's pockets until he had brought to light both their shares in the evil doings of the night. End of Chapter 7 Recording by Richard Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas